welcome to Koshian Cast, the podcast where we refuse to play dirty until the last five minutes. <laughs> My name is Matt, and joining me today is a special guest, Matt. Hey yo! Hi, so uh welcome to the summer season, Matt. Hey, thanks. I'm very excited to be here in summer, finally, away from the doldrums of Yamamushi Petal and Tiger Mask. Yeah, yeah. Tiger Mask at least went out on a high note, but we're into uh, a few new shows with the first week of summer season. We'll be covering every sports anime that aired between July 2nd and uh, July 8th. Um, We released the Tiger Mask W review uh, a few days ago. Um, We tried out a character draft which we I, I don't know if anyone else had fun with it but we certainly did oh yeah um, absolutely and so we're going to be doing another one of those for Yawapeta uh later this week um did you have anything else you wanted to announce matt uh no i think i'm good but i do have one thing uh for our new que- uh for our new segment of the show uh the question of the week uh believe it or not we actually got an email uh well, asking <laughs> Yeah, you don't need to frame it like it's so crazy. It's not. <laughs> it's not that crazy, but, uh, I, uh, it, but it, I, it was uh, exciting though. To, yes, to get I, I, contact. I, I'm not surprised that we got an email. I'm surprised we got one so quickly, and I'm very happy. I'm yeah. very happy about that. We're, we are very thrilled. In fact, we have a. So uh, we got a question from a fellow Matt. Yeah. So the first thing I want to say about this is. If we were writing these questions to ourselves, we wouldn't say it was from a guy named Matt. So that's <laughs> how you know this isn't fake. Um, so I didn't even think of that. I'm I'm a Matt E. The other Matt on this podcast is a Matt K. We got it from a Matt L. Um, right. And he actually sent a couple questions. We may come back and do some of the others later. Um, but we're just going to do one question he asked now. So I'll read uh, the beginning of his email and his first question. So he said... Uh, Dear Matt and Matt, uh, so I've listened to a couple episodes and have come to the realization I'm way over my head when it comes to understanding one-tenth of what you're both talking about on the podcast. Well, it's good good to know that we're really being a welcoming (laughs) welcoming audience. Uh, That is my fault, and in no way should reflect on how well you're doing, parentheses, which is great, uh, on making a podcast. It is just very far from something I know. Thus, my questions are not so much about series, but about your motivations. And so this is the first question. Uh, why do you want to, Why did you do this podcast, and what keeps you going? You talked about your disdain for Tiger Mask. Well, for 37 weeks we did, yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, sometime, how sometimes these shows can be a slog to get through, so why keep going? You also seem to generally, genuinely like some other shows as well. So besides the shows, uh, why talk about them? Why make this podcast? So he asked it about, you know, three different ways, three different times, but that that's the sort of thing. Like, one, why did we start doing the podcast, and why do we continue to do it? So do you want to go first real quick, Matt? Uh, yeah. So I would say the biggest motivation for me is actually making discoveries. Like, you know, we, like, when we started watching sports anime, we were basically watching pretty much, you know, all the big popular ones, like... Yamamushi Pedal, Haikyuu, uh, you were watching Kuroko's Basketball, yeah. stuff like that. And what we what we noticed is that it was a much broader subject matter than what we realized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and that's so, basically based on the fact that we decided to give a very generous definition to sports anime. Right. You know, 
So once we started doing that and looking more about the format and the content, like anything that centers around a sport or anything that could be called a sport, um, we got to do some some more interesting stuff than we'd been exposed to before. Right, and I think one of and I think for me, it's going out and making those discoveries. Like for example, without this podcast, I would have never. I don't know if I actually would have watched March. March comes in like a lion. Like I would have heard it was the big show of the season, but I'm not sure if I would have had the motivation to just sit down and watch it week to week. I probably wouldn't have. I mean, almost uh, certainly. You know, I would have never gone back and watched uh, Prince of Stride. Uh, oh yeah, no, never. Which I. <laughs> Which I, I don't know. As a side note, I don't know if people want have listened. If our listeners have listened to that episode, that is probably. I don't know if it's a good episode, but it is probably one some of the most fun I have ever had recording the show. Yeah, uh, and just the journey and the experience of discovering that wonderful, terrible show. Uh, you know, and it's moments like that that drive me to keep doing this. Uh, and just constantly making new discoveries and, like, you know, discovering, like, all sorts of sub-genres of the genre. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, um, for me, that that's a big part of it. Uh, the other part is it's just fun to have something to create. Um, <clears throat> you know, Matt and I have been friends for the majority of our lives. Um, right. But this is something that sort of... You know, it, it gives us something that's unique to us that we, a project we get to work on together, which we haven't really had since high school. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it, it's something that's just fun, fun for us together. It's something we get to talk about every week, um, not just on the show, but in preparing for the show. And, you know, who else can have inside jokes about so many different weird series you know so the the i would feel awful if i actually watched through days and had no one to talk to about it <laughs> that is true yeah oh. so uh thanks for the question matt l uh we we appreciate it and to anyone else out there um shoot us a question at uh koshiancast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on uh, Twitter or Facebook, but uh, the email is probably the easiest, koshiancast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and just, you know, let us know who you are. That's, that's sort of part of the appeal for us is... Yeah, true enough. Just getting to know who would be interested in listening to a sports anime podcast. Exactly. Like, this is the most niche, strange podcast content. Well, it's not the most niche, but it's up there. <laughs> and uh, so for anyone who's kept listening, we do, one, appreciate it, and two, uh, we'd like to hear from you. Um, so I think that's that's enough of that. We have a lot of shows to get into this week, um, a lot of new stuff, so I'm just going to dive right in, Matt. Please. All right, so uh, the first show we're going to cover for the new season is Welcome to the Ballroom. And so in the, the first episode, we're introduced to the main character, Fujita, who uh, is... In his last year of junior high, uh, which is the equivalent of an American ninth grader, um, he isn't really sure what he wants to do for high school. He doesn't have a goal in terms of his career, um, and he's criticized for that by all parties. He ends up stumbling into a ballroom dance studio um, by accident. Uh, he gets roped into doing a lesson, and uh, then he, he watches some actual professional ballroom dance and he's so captivated that 
despite the fact that he doesn't know how he can afford it or how he can pull it off, he decides he wants to be a professional dancer. Um, and then the, the episode wraps up with him sort of learning some of his first few steps and then training until the break of dawn uh, just on the first few things he's learned because he wants to become a master. Right. So uh, this was the most anticipated show of the summer, not just like within the sports genre, but within like anime fandom yeah. in terms much? of new shows certainly in terms of yeah in terms yeah. of new shows i mean was... my, my hero academia is probably still going to be the most popular show that's airing in the summer right um but yeah summer for anime on the whole was pretty light in terms of anticipated shows it's generally a light season um you know each year right but uh but yeah so the, this is definitely had the most hype and you know people people sort of survive on the the like what's what's simulcasting where's the conversation um this is the one to talk about right so with that in mind uh do you think it lived up to the hype matt well it's hard to say because it it was well animated the the characters were fun they were like the designs were attractive the movement was attractive right um I'm not sure how many people it would hook with the first episode, though. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of, I had a bit of the same reaction you did. I watched it, thoroughly enjoyed it, and then when I was over, all I could think was, that was almost a boringly good first episode. Yeah. Um, it did a lot of things very well. Uh, it, like, the anime, like you mentioned before, the animation is very striking, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you kind of almost need to have that level of animation to, can, to, uh, draw something, like, so, uh, fluid as ballroom dancing. Yeah. So, in that regard, it worked. Uh, I think the, I'm gonna give the story some credit as well. I think this is actually where it hooked me the most, believe it or not. Uh, I like the setup. So, every sports anime kind of has, like, the sport is really more of an allegory for something that the main character wants. Uh, and in this, I got that sense very easily. In this, it's uh, Fujita wants confidence in himself. He sees uh, ballroom dancing, and he sees how immensely confident mm -hmm. uh, these dancers are. Uh, and this is sold almost entirely by Sengoku, who I think is really the star of the show, almost. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like, he's, a, he's a lot more captivating of a character than Fujita by far. Right. But, I mean, I think that's also kind of the point, you know? he. Uh, I think one of the more striking moments in the series was when, uh, you know, he's getting bullied and they're calling him, uh, like, Mogu Moguta. Which, I'm not sure how that's an insult. I know that is an insult, but I don't know how. Uh, but, and he just sort of, and, you know, they're talking about how poor he is and, like, Fujita doesn't even stand up for himself. He's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm poor. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and I think it was at that moment... You know, like, that immediately shows or, like, illustrates what Fujita's main problem is. He has no confidence in himself. He lets people walk over him. Um, and I think that, and I think that's where the show is strongest. And I think, and I think what this first episode did was illustrate, uh, where the plot is gonna go forward. Uh, in basically building up Fujita at like building up more building him up more and more to be able to take a more assertive role in his life mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but th that being said, it felt like almost a surprisingly by-the-numbers sports anime. Uh, I mean... I, I don't necessarily treat that as a criticism, because I like that. I'm just saying right. that, like, there there are other sports anime with, you know, less conventional sports, like you saw with Yuri on Ice, where it takes a very different approach to right. how it's going to structure itself. This felt, you know, like, literally in the first episode, we have the main character learning a single exercise and then getting so captivated by mastering the technique that he unknowingly does it for eight hours straight. <laughs> well, for me, I, I thought that was a little bit more just illustrating him, like... It, it was illustrating how... I don't know if it was so much like him beginning captivated by it as it was just him really wanting to get the move down. Because he's so used to taking orders from people. Because literally what Sengoku said before was... Um, Do it until I tell you to stop. Yeah, and like he never was told to stop. So it, it sort of illustrates what his, I guess, his quote-unquote hidden talent is, which is following orders to a T. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess that's why it still worked for me. But I do see, see what you're saying. As, like, a big mainstream hit, it's not really something that offers anyone anything more than what you can expect from the genre. Right, yeah. There's not a ton of crossover appeal besides, you know, the design uh, itself. But, right. I mean, that, that being said, like, I'm criticizing it from a general perspective. From a personal perspective, I enjoyed it a lot. Right. Uh, and I, I think we both kind of uh, mentioned this before, but, uh, like, Sengoku is easily, I think, the most... I think he is the biggest draw for the series. Uh, if you, uh, Would you be able to go into that a little bit? Well... I, I think a lot of it is just how he carries himself, right? Because right. he... One thing we talked about off-air was the the feeling that he represents a kind of hyper-masculine energy in a traditionally feminine enterprise. Right. Um, so you don't necessarily... I, I think there's... For the general public, there's a lot to get over with treating ballroom dancing as a legitimate competitive um athletic sport right. um and so you almost have to have someone who is traditionally masculine and traditionally confident um who can speak for the sport and you're like well i guess if that guy is so sure that it's an athletic competition it must be so he sort of sells ballroom dancing as being a sport in a way um, that you couldn't with a less hyper-masculine character. Right, and and that's really where I think the series works most. Um, I, I kind of like the way he almost treats it like... Like, he almost treats the dance hall like it's an old-school dojo. Like, one of the things that immediately struck me was the way he sort of... He kind of did, like, a gut check to, uh, to Fujita in order to, like, get him to straighten up, because that is something that is very traditional in like old martial arts studios where mm -hmm. uh they would where they would literally just strike the person if they did something wrong right. in their training like if they didn't have the correct posture they'd hit them to get them into the correct posture so that they would understand like this is how like no you get in this position uh that in the way uh i, I think the biggest thing for me as well though that helped like more than just being sort of like an icon almost like the way that actually sold him to me as a character 
was how uh, he actually kind of took personal offense to Fujita, um, like like acting like he could do ballroom dancing. Well, yeah, just act, like that. Like not to do it as a hobby, but he wanted to do it competitively. That right. was what set him off. Right, but and like I think for me, what I liked about that was he didn't actually announce that to uh, Fujita. He, he's almost, like, passive-aggressive about it. He's like, okay, fine, you can do that. These are the steps I do. Uh, practice that until I tell you to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he's just he, almost wanting to see, force him to quit. Yeah, basically, he's like, she's like, he's gonna give up, whatever. Like, if he thinks he can do it, fine, but he's gonna give up like that. And he's kind of shocked to find out, oh, shoot, you were serious. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of like that dynamic to their relationship about how it, it starts off Oh, like genial but it's already kind of becoming kind of contentious mm-hmm. and, and I think that's going to be what drives the show yeah um so yeah I, I'm looking forward to seeing more yeah I agree um something else that we saw for the first time though is dive would you like to tell yes, me about it I would so uh the beginning of this episode uh we find out uh the main character uh Tomo is uh, practicing diving at a local uh, club for it. It's not like a school-sponsored club. It's like a private club. Uh, He was inspired by the uh, club's star member, Yoichi. uh, And he's he's gotten a couple of lessons from him. Uh, Anyway, throughout the episode, we find out that the club is having problems, but but it's been able to stay open because of Yoichi's general talent because he's able to keep winning competitions uh we also find out that uh tomo has a girlfriend uh kind of untraditional for a sports anime uh but the episode ends with the team having a new coach brought on uh named uh asaki who is who vows to take the boys to the olympics Mm -hmm. um so i I, this show has not been... It's gotten a very average response, and I think that's probably appropriate. I think it's at least an interesting series. Uh, I think it's kind of funny to say, honestly, but I think the most interesting thing about it is the fact that the main character actually has a girlfriend. Yeah, I agree. I mean, (laughs) I... I wasn't sure what the vibe they were trying to establish with Miyu was... Um, she just sort of like follows him around and she's a hanger on um, right. and so my assumption clearly was that oh she's paying attention to him and he doesn't notice it's like but partway through the episode you realize oh no uh, she asked him out and he said okay because he was uncomfortable with saying no and he didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings right um and he also wanted the other guys to be impressed that he had a girlfriend, so he said okay. Uh, which I I liked just because, one, you don't usually have that established in the first episode. Right. Um, and two, I liked it because that seems about appropriate for the kind of level of relationship you'd have when you're 14 or 15. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's like, th- at the very least, it sets the tone that this is going to be a very natural, like, story like this actually seems like it's going to have a story about real actual 
relationships. Yeah, and real actual teenagers. Right, exactly. Because, you know, they're confused. They don't know what they're doing. Like, Yeah, I mean, he's so uncomfortable with, like, he has no idea how to be a boyfriend. So when she says stuff like, oh, can I watch you dive? And he's like, no, you can't watch. And she's like, what? <laughs> Why? And he says, no reason. Yeah, you know, pretty he, much. He just always try like, he gets defensive and uncomfortable. And then when someone wants to, to explain, he's just like... I don't, I don't care. I don't even know. Whatever. Shut up, Mom! Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know? uh, so, even though on some level that's annoying to watch because it reminds me a little too much of my own past, um, <laughs> it, is, it is definitely true to life. Yeah, definitely. And that is, I think, though, the only really interesting part of the show. I think they did a fine job capturing the attitude of the boys talking with one another. Uh-huh. With uh, with Sachin like kind of overreacting, he's like, "Dude, did you see the coach? The coach was with this, a smoking hot girl. I uh, like, he's totally having an affair." And it's like, "Okay, like, like, wait, no, what was she wearing? Oh, she was in a business attire. Like, she was probably from the company that owns the club. Why would you assume it's an affair?" He's like, "Dude, yeah, but like, what if it is, man? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like again, very true to junior high boys, right? Um." I think the pro- the major problem with the show, though, is that there's not... I, we're not really rooting for the team yet to really, like, make it to the Olympics. Like, it did a great job selling, like, a very natural, like, world, but it didn't really, like, inspire much, like... I, I don't really care about the main characters, you know? I don't really care that this club is getting shut down yeah exactly i mean mizuki diving club is not that interesting to me it's not even like you know it's not associated with their school it's just like the place that he happened to show up one day you know right i don't know i uh, i I, I assume it'll sell it a little more in the future but again i think what it has going for it now is just a little bit it undermines some of the assumptions about how relationships work in these shows um and it uh it has it has some pretty good animation with its diving sequences those are legitimately fun yeah definitely definitely um something Um, else that's legitimately fun is uh quiz bowls all right Uh, cool you want to talk i'm gonna talk about the fastest (laughs) finger first sorry fantastic I, i i my finger was so fast that i cut you off while you were uh helping me introduce it um so this is the first episode of the aptly named Fastest Finger First or 703X Fastest Finger First. I think in the U.S. they're just taking out the 703X for right. promotional purposes and calling it Fastest Finger First, which is still a weird name, but <laughs> at least it's memorable. Um, right. Anyway, so it follows uh, the travails of new high school student uh, Kashiyama, who... Uh, is trying to figure out what he wants to do in high school, um, but he's never been in clubs, he's never done sports, he doesn't think he has any special abilities. Uh, he's handed a pamphlet for the Quiz Bowl Club, um, but he just puts away, doesn't think about it, then he fills it out while he's in class. Uh, he ends up going to uh, the one of the, the opening... Uh, ceremonies for the new school year and all the different clubs get to advertise themselves uh, and the quiz bowl club comes up and they decide to have an impromptu quiz and they ask members of the audience to volunteer Kashiyama 
refuses to volunteer because he's too shy and uncomfortable. Um, but he ends up randomly getting called on and forced to go up and do it anyway. He starts to learn how quiz bowls work, and he is able to reveal that he actually has a knack for trivia, um, and he starts becoming intrigued by the possibility of uh, competing with the special knowledge he has. Right. Um, so, uh, I, I think you maybe liked this one just a little bit more than I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was fine. Uh, I am interested to see how it keeps going forward. Uh, I think my reaction to it was kind of the same that you had for Welcome to Ballroom in that it almost felt a little too by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, just that it's it's like I'm kind of just struggling to see who the series is for. Um, I, I think it that's, could... That's a legitimate argument. <laughs> like, I, I, that's not necessarily bad, mind you. Like, you know, nothing wrong with just having a fun sports anime. Yeah. Uh, but, like... And, you know, it is a unique take on the subject, which is, I think, the most interesting aspect of the show. Uh-huh. Um, I did appreciate how the show did establish with uh, Sasajima that... Uh, I'm glad he did announce that this was a sport so that we can, in fact, cover this on the show. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, we always have that backup. Um, I think one one issue with it... Well, I'm just kind of thinking about this now. Let me, let me know whether it resonates with you. It feels a little bit like this show should have been made ten years ago. Like, yeah! Something about it feels kind of outdated. Um, yeah! A lot of it, I think, is the main character's character design. Sort of like he's the helpless, milquetoast... Uh, guy with the giant glasses who doesn't uh, have any social skills, doesn't have any connection, anything like that's that was a trope that was a lot heavier in the 2000s. Right. Um, there's also the unfortunate scene where he's sitting by himself and then a girl trips over him and he sees her panties and then every time he looks at her the rest of the episode he thinks about her underwear um, and, you know, she has this like, oh, well, like I'll, f- I'll forgive you for seeing my panties if you join the quiz club. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, I, no. I, How many times have we seen this? You know, You know, I think that's... I think it's interesting that you bring it up like that. Because I think my... I think what you said does strike a chord with me. Um... I think for me, though, the way it feels sort of outdated is just in how it doesn't actually go that far with any of that. Like, it, it still feels like it's in that sort of... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That early period when they were starting to push a little bit more towards that content. But it's not really quite there yet. Yeah, it's like a Love Hina-style accidental perviness. Right, right. Rather than just going full-on, like... Yeah. Like, making it the focus. It feels like it's kind of off to the side, and but they're mm-hmm. still trying to kind of decide on who the main focus group is for this, which I think is actually kind of a strength and a weakness of the show, to be honest, because at the same time, it also doesn't, like... You know, for the for Welcome to Ballroom and Dive, those were shows that were so very clearly... It's like, this is for girls. Like, yeah. you know, we got very well-toned, masculine men... Uh, and, uh, whereas this, this feels a lot like, I don't feel like it's a terribly, uh, a sexualized show, which I kind of appreciate. 
Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the... Like, in that regard, it kind of reminded me a little bit uh, of Baby Steps, almost. Just oh, in yeah. How, yeah, that's a good comparison. Uh, like, now, definitely not as good as Baby Steps. Well, it's had uh, one episode, so... Right, true enough. But, yeah, it, it kind of had that tone to me where it's kind of about... Like, it's kind of the same premise, too, where you kind of have this guy who... This sort of weird... Like, not really weird, but just this guy who's kind of off to the side kind of getting drawn into the sport due to the attraction of a girl. Yeah. Uh, and you have, like... And you also kind of have, like, the president of the Quiz Bowl who's just... He's a bit of a character, but he's not really quite, like... There's something about him that still feels a little restrained to me. Almost as being, like... Well, I'm not sure if what I'm saying makes any sense. Uh, uh, it doesn't. But okay. that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I... Yeah, Sasajima, I'm not... I, I have to say, for his character, he was the the biggest upside for me. Right. Just because... I've seen... Um, I've seen characters like Kashiyama and Fukami, the main female character. Uh, I've seen them plenty before. Uh, and they're fine. What I like right. about Sasajima is that I, I get a lot less tired of the extreme personalities that's um, fair and he is someone who completely and absurdly believes in quiz bowl has no real hesitation <laughs> about it right. thinks that it is the ultimately virtuous endeavor um and so he's just and just his delivery is fun to watch uh so for me he's he's a real upside just based on the right. extremity of his character. And, you know, I think that's fair because I think in like for example Cheer Boys, uh Wataru in that show, the Glasses <laughs> yeah. Boy, that, yeah, I for think that's the what we four remember. episodes where Cheer Boys was watchable, Wataru yeah. <laughs> was definitely the high point for much of the same reason. Right. Gosh, so, I, I forgot I we I... even watched that show. <laughs> oh I'm sorry, I didn't mean to remind you. Oh no, it's fine. It's just crazy. Oh, <laughs> Cheer Boys. Oh, man, that was a thing. Uh, Alright, well, so uh, something else that was almost certainly a thing. Uh, <laughs> Clean Freak Aoyama-kun. Yep. Uh, that one's on me. So, the, the general premise is uh, Aoyama is a clean freak who is also a soccer prodigy. Uh, he refuses to play in a way that'll make him dirty. Uh, and everybody is just immensely enamored with his cleanliness. Mm -hmm. uh, except for one guy by uh, named uh, Kaoru Zaizen, who may be the captain. We don't really know. Uh, but he... Uh, he's a, he's another rich kid. Or he's a rich... He's a rich boy. Uh, who goes to public school, but he, he tries his hardest at soccer. Uh, another team uh, from uh, Oshigami Minami, another uh, a school for, like, a lot of, like, upper-class citizens, basically, uh, comes to the school for, like, a practice game with the intention of recruiting Aoyama. Aoyama doesn't want to leave. They have a game. Uh, Aoyama, at the very end, manages to uh, overcome his fears of being dirty uh, just for the sake of winning the game. Uh, and that's kind of where the show ends. Um, so you messaged me after watching it and told me, I, I think this is the show where we maybe disagreed the most, actually. You told me it was better than you expected. This was actually worse than I expected, believe it or not. Maybe I just had lower expectations. <laughs> that may be the case, too. Maybe maybe we're both kind of at the same point, but we just both... Yeah. Maybe we both agree, but we just had different expectations going into this. 
the biggest issue for me with the show was the constant barrage of chibi art. Yeah, um, there's a lot of chibi art. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind it so much, but they fall on it so much for the gags yeah. in the show. Like literally, they spoil their own gags with the chibi art. Uh, there's this moment where uh, Kaoru leaps up to like get a header, and Aoyama stops. And, like, all of a sudden, he transforms into chibi form. And uh, Kaoru turns around and is like, what's going on? He's like, okay, so some, he's going to run into somebody or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's exactly what happens. They kind of spoil the gag with that with him transforming into chibi mode, almost. Like, it's, it's so weird. Like, well, that they would... yeah, it, it's weird. It's, it's just very clear from watching it that they're using as few cells as they can to animate this thing. Um, right. So the, the, the limited budget they do have, they use for the couple brilliant moments where Aoyama is actually playing at his full capacity. Right. Um, but for the rest of it, they have to be really economical. Um, <laughs> so I think relying on it is as much a matter of making the show affordable to create as it is like being an effective means of telling a joke which makes sense i guess but at the same to me it it almost feels like a laugh track uh in like a terrible 90s sitcom because it's like it, it feels like it's almost trying to tell me like hey this is where you're supposed to laugh buddy like isn't this funny like he's deformed and it's like and you know, doing it once or twice is fine, but for every, almost every single joke yeah. is what gets me. There, There is one gag that works for me, and it's the fact that the captain of Oshigami, uh, Takechi, for some reason he feels the need to constantly lift his shirt up and flex his abs. Yeah, uh, uh, I think the, the thing that I thought was funny about that is just how he, like, bends over backwards, showing right. off his, like, it is kind of a funny gag. Um, I don't know if it'll be funny for three months straight. Right. I don't know if he's going to be a major character or not, yeah. but we will see. Uh, it, it's... It didn't... The one real upside to the show, barring uh, Takechi's abs, I wish I didn't say it like that, um, <laughs> was... The, <laughs> was, uh, at the very least, we got it early on that Aoyama is fine with getting dirty so long as it's for the game... Like, for winning the game. Uh-huh. Uh, that at least shows a bit more complexity to his character than just being, like, one extended OCD joke. Yeah. I'm torn on that because it feels like such an anime thing for him to have this rule where he refuses to get dirty except for the last five minutes of the game and then, like, he has no problem with it. Or, like, you know, like... It feels like an anime thing where you have this internal clock that'll just count down and, re- like, release your superpower, you know? See, I, I didn't really get that from him. Uh, what, I got, what I got more from that was that uh, he was kind of using it almost as an excuse. It's like, well, so long as it's the last five minutes, I can do it. Because my, cause I kind of got that he was sort of inspired by Kaoru uh, by the fact mm. that, like, despite the fact that it was a pretty much certain loss for them, he was still trying and, you know, he basically sacrificed his face to uh, to block a kick and still ran forward and almost scored a goal. Because that was what Aoyama did. He just sort of ended up assisting Kaoru in a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just sort of, and I guess why it worked for me was that it did show that 
he could be inspired. Like, this wasn't just some unbreakable rule that he had that he could not get dirty. Uh, because he was inspired by Kaoru. Yeah, I, I guess, I think it'll depend on what happens in the next couple episodes. Because right. if they keep repeating this, like, oh, oh we, we've got six minutes left, just hold him off for one more minute, and then Aoyama can break free. You know, right. if they turn it into, like, a Super Saiyan thing, it's gonna be real boring real fast. Right. And I guess that's the other problem I have with the series, is that I don't really have a clear idea of the direction it's gonna be taking. Yeah, I know. I mean, we our assumption going in was that it was gonna be a gag show that included soccer. I haven't really seen that disproven in the first episode. Yep. And I just, I don't know how much mileage they're gonna get out of that gag. They didn't really get much out of it out of this episode, to be honest. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's the thing, because we were comparing it uh, to Haven't haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto. Wait. Yeah, Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto. Yeah, I, I just had a brain fart if it was Sakamoto. But yeah, Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto. <laughs> and, like, that show succeeded largely because the gag worked in the first episode. Right. And it was hilarious. Um but uh, we will see where this goes. Um, right. One other thing that we're seeing where it's going. Damn, that was a good transition. <laughs> uh, I have a question, Matt. Do you yeah. just wake up in the morning and just decide you're going to nail it every single time? I just, I think about transitions in my sleep, yes. That's true. <laughs> um, so, got big wind-up episode 14. Uh, so, this is the beginning of the first game of the summer tournament. Uh, so Nishiura is finally starting their game against Tosei. Uh, there's some concern that it might rain. Um, Tosei is watching Nishiura warm up, and they're, all the upperclassmen are commenting on how bad Nishiura is, how they shouldn't even have to play because it's not even going to be a match. Um, ultimately, M- Mahashi uh, is getting nervous, too, about the crowd uh, because he doesn't want to disappoint anyone. Good old Mahashi. Uh, Nishiura bats first. They're able to get a hit on the first at-bat, and then two sacrifice bunts get that guy around a third. Tajima is up to bat, but he can't quite catch up to the opponent's sinker, and so he strikes out, uh, meaning that they are unable to score in the first inning, and Mahashi is preparing to start the bottom of the first. Right. Um, So this was a... It was kind of a slow episode, but the, it didn't seem like there was going to be a lot to discuss in this episode, but there's kind of, like, a lot of things off to the side that are interesting. Uh, so we did a simul-watch of this one, and Matt, you had a good observation about uh, Yose? Or Tose, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the interesting thing for me was the comparison of the crowds. Right. Um, so they made sure to mention at several points for Nishiura that Himata, the cheer captain, had managed to get a lot of people from the school, other students, um, along with the kids' parents to show up to help support the cheering section. So they've got actually a fairly robust um, presence at the game. Right. Uh, whereas for Tosei, there's just a few scattered uh, fans um, most of their support comes from the fact that they have a very large team. So there's right. a lot of team members who aren't actually on the active roster who are there to be their cheering section along with the school band. Um, so they have students there who basically have to be there. While as Nishiura, most of the students that are there for them are ones that were interested or got pulled into it. So it's just sort of an in- interesting comparison so you have to imagine tose 
would get a big draw of fans um, because they're a, a famous school. They are really competitive. They were the champions last year. But you imagine that most of them just stayed home for the first round because they were playing this no this terrible school in Nishiura. So why come out and waste your time? Right. Exactly. It's like it, this is not something that's ever stated, but you know you can kind of just see it in the background work. Like they'll cut to the the actual band, and you know you kind of get this sense of immensity just by the fact that you know they actually have a band that comes to play for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like if you actually like look into the crowds, there are very few people. And like at first, I thought maybe they were just trying to save money on the animation. Uh, you know, just trying not to. You know, these are stills. You know, they don't want to waste too much. But if you look over, but when they pan over and you see the uh, the Nishiura side, it's very clear that they are like that. This is a full crowd on their end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and it's like one of those great like. You can just derive so much about, like, the history of their team just from that. Um, you know, just the fact that, you know, they are not, like, this is not an important game for this team. Yeah. Um, there, there was one more detail that was interesting to me about that was the fact, like, they were talking about Tajima's uh, position in the lineup. And they were like, okay, it, like, cause it's like, okay, this guy probably has a pretty good at-bat percentage, uh, you know. Uh, and, you know, kind of discussing stuff like that. You, you know, mean kind this of just... on, on base percentage? Oh, yeah, on base percentage. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Everyone has 100% at bat percentage. Right. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> you're right. Sorry, I mixed up my terminology, my bad. You're good. Uh, but, uh, you know, I what, I what I liked about that was it showed that they didn't do any research on Nishiura. Well, yeah, like, I mean, it, it would be hard for them to because they're a new team, but they didn't even try. Like they yeah, don't, they don't know anyone's names. They're figuring it all out for the first time. They're just going off gut instinct when the guy walks up to the plate. Right, which is which is interesting to me as well because um, you know they actually there's this talk towards the beginning of the episode where two of the players are talking. You know they're, they're you know they're kind of talking about you know it's like okay you know we got to take this seriously you know this is the first game and it's like it, it it almost feels like their heart isn't really in it like they understand consciously like yeah we probably need to take this seriously but I mean come on yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's just that nice touch of realism that, you know, I always appreciate out of a big wind-up. Yeah, like, the only reason that they're actually going out there to try and they're actually putting their best players on the field is because they don't want to let the underclassmen know that they're not taking it seriously. Right, exactly. Like, it, it's almost like a morale-boosting, you know, they're trying to kind of keep the team, like, almost together by this sort of unified lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. It was fun to see the strategy. Um, I think we'll see a lot of this with Nishiura, where they're not as com- confident and comfortable of a like a, a slugging team. They they don't have very many power hitters outside of um, Tajima and Hanai. So right. that meant that like the first three batters all tried to bunt or they signaled bunt when they came up, and two of them successfully bunted. Um, because they're not as strong, they're just trying to move people along however they possibly can get the ball in play and avoid striking out. Uh, right. So that kind of reflects the team, too. Hey, they don't have as much experience. They're not as strong. Um, they can't catch up to complex pitches as well. Uh, but they can lay down a bunt, and so that's what they're going to do. They're going to get it any way they can. Right. Um what I liked about that, too, was that this is also the first time I think we've seen Tajima fail. Yes. Yeah. He struck out. And uh, what 
well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first of what, what you liked about that. Sorry. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Uh, I was just saying it, it's interesting because it already kind of sets the stakes a little high, even though it's a pretty early point in the game. Because now we always now we have to go into the uh, into the mindset of like they can't a hundred percent rely on Tajima, who's mm-hmm. already like kind of one of their major, uh, you know, he's already kind of a main force of their team. Yeah, he's like, the main force. I'd say. Yeah, he's kind of the heart of the team. Uh, yeah. He and Mihashi are kind of like the reason why they can even possibly compete in the first place. Right. Uh, so, and you know, it also kind of sets another standard, uh, you know, kind of sets some set, doubt in mind for Mihashi as well, because Mihashi, uh, since we've seen Tajima fail, now we see Mihashi up, and we don't know, like, these guys are that good that they can take down uh, Tajima, like, how's Mihashi gonna fa- uh, fare against them? The one thing I liked about uh, Tajima striking out was the fact that his expression was not anger or frustration, it was curiosity. Right. Um, so he's always a fun character because he's sort of just clearly enjoys baseball for its own sake. He gets a lot of joy out of playing, and he just wants to play against the best people to challenge himself. So even if other people get down, it's clear that he's not going to get down. He's going to be excited about facing a kind of pitcher he's never faced before. So I think even if that does bring some other people down, it'll be Tajima displaying his ability to get people back up. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so speaking of things that uh, you can get up, uh, we're going... Oh, that was a bad transition. It was good in my mind. Um, what... So you want me to talk about encouragement of climb? Yeah, because you can climb up mountains. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, no, I got it. I got where you were going with it, buddy. Thanks. Um, Thanks. Okay, so the first episode is about... Uh, uh, Aoi... Uh, she can't get her homework done, essentially. Uh, she needs to get her homework done before she goes to Mount Tanagawa, because she promised her mother she would. Uh, and, uh, she kind of goes through some hijinks, trying to get, uh, Hinata to help her out, who's actually on vacation. She goes to Kayade, who's just as dumb as she is. <laughs> um, and eventually, uh, Kayade brings in her friend Yuka, who was set up a few episodes ago. And she comes down, and she comes and tutors them all. Yeah. And, uh... Aoi manages to finish her homework in time, and it's, per- and it's you know, great. She got it done. Um, <laughs> and then the second episode is entirely about Kakona. It's, her birthday is actually on the day of the trip to Mount Tanagawa. She, uh, but uh, the day, she manages to find her present from her mother, and she decides to open it up put, and discovers that there are new shoes. And then we spend several minutes uh, watching her walk around town and just having a lovely stroll. Uh, end of the episode, she comes back home, and her mother comes back home late, and they have a surprise party, and they have a little party. I, I mean, that's the episode. Yeah, that's that's it. Neither episode could be uh, referred to as, like, high-octane sports action, <laughs> or really providing anything to the show whatsoever. Uh, I will give the... Uh, I'm not going to defend the second episode at all, like, that we watched. I, I, I don't know what the point of that was. Um, yeah. The first episode, though, I will give it one thing. It did sort of subvert our expectations, because I always would have assumed Aoi was the smart one of the duo between her and Hinata, but Hinata's actually a weirdly responsible student who actually got done with all of her homework like, well ahead of schedule. 
Which, I, it's not, like, a big thing, but I got a laugh out of it at the very least. Just sort of like a, huh, I never would have expected that to be the case. Well, what was funny about it, too, is that Oi was just as surprised. Yeah, kind of like, I didn't think you were that good of a student. Wait, she did say she had a tutoring job. Um, I get the only other thing I derived from, uh, from that episode, at the very least, uh... It shows how her friend group is growing because now we have, okay, now Yuka's starting to get involved with her life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, now she's like, you know, she's got another upperclassman friend. You know, in, at the beginning of the episode, we kind of see how she's sort of coming into her own because, you know, she's the one who actually goes and makes the reservations for Mount Tanagawa. You know, generally it's Kaede or Hinata who's doing all the planning. Now she's taking an active role that she's succeeding at work. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, there is some character growth there, at the very least. And, and, in the next episode, Kokona gets a pair of boots. <laughs> so, they both learned a valuable lesson. Okay, there is one thing about that episode I will also, about that second episode. Um, nothing to do with Kokona, which is hard because she's literally there for, I would say, about 11 of the 12 epi minutes of that, that episode runs. Yeah. Um, it is interesting for me to see that the bakery has not disappeared after the episode it was introduced in. Yeah. I Yeah, you're right, because usually in these, these shows, they get a job for one episode, and then it's completely irrelevant, and that just explains, oh, she has money because of the part-time job she works, but we don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, no, the job is actually a part of her life now. Like, it's, you know, she was going to her job in that previous episode as well. You know, we see her, like, doing very well at work and her co-worker praising her. And now in this episode, she's at work trying to get a cake recipe so she can bake a cake for Kakona. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, okay, so there's a bit more of a unified world here. Everything after that is just a mystery to what the point of this was. I guess it's just sort of a day in the life of a weird girl like Kakona. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of a little... It was kind of a little weird that she, you know, she got a new pair of boots and she's like, oh, okay, I should break them in. I want to go for a walk. Where do I want to go? Um, I guess I'm going to go to the Akabono Children's Forest Park. <laughs> so she goes to this, like, fantasy, like, kids park and she, like, sits in a treehouse and reads children's picture books. And then right. walks home. And that's... That's that, what she does. That's just what she does, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, the only substantive thing I could get out of that was actually, again, had nothing to do with her. At the very end of the episode, Aoi is going to bed and she wonders, what, what are we going to do once our childhood promise of going to Mount Tanagawa is fulfilled? Right. Uh, which is maybe a slightly interesting question it's like oh we always talk about climbing this mountain so what are we gonna do when we've climbed the mountain it's right. not it's not that interesting in itself because it's like okay y'all go to high school together you're probably still gonna hang out um it is interesting as a general sort of life question like you know when we have this one thing in common for example right. like for me um with my friends from college you know i could have this question like oh am I still going to be friends with these people when I leave college? Like, when we don't have this right. one thing that ties us together, is it still possible for us to be friends, or are we going to lose something? Um, that's interesting. In this specific situation, it's like, you're not going anywhere. Like, of course right. you can keep hanging out after you've climbed Mount Tanagawa, but 
In principle, it could be an interesting question. Right. But, you know, again, it's one of those things that, you know, we didn't need to spend 11 minutes following Kakona having a lovely stroll around town uh, to get to that question. Yeah. Uh, This really felt like an episode that, like, they knew where it was going to end, but they needed to throw something in there to sort of fill out time. I think they just needed some coconut time. They have, they clearly have, like, about four episodes worth of plot for the Mount Tanagawa thing, and they just needed to get there and end the season there. So they're like, oh, let's stroll around with Kokona. Maybe she's popular. I guess Kaede had an episode to herself. Yeah. And I guess they just didn't really have much more for Kokona's character. Yeah, but like, gosh, could they have given her anything? Could they have given her anything other than like, I'm small and I like picture books. (laughs) Like, what is... Why... What is anyway? I I, yeah. I shouldn't I shouldn't be shocked or offended. Um, the last thing I, w- I want to say about encouragement to climb is that you know we missed an announcement like a month ago um, that encouragement of climb is going to have more anime coming out. Right. Um. So the reason the whole reason we started doing this well one it was because spring was dead and we needed something to do but two is because we thought they were going to be releasing a third season this year. Uh, turns out they're going to release an OVA this year in October. It's not right. clear whether or not we'll actually be able to view that in the U.S. Um, but then next year, so in 2018, they're going to release Season 3 of Encouragement to Climb. So sometime we'll follow up on this, but we will have a substantial break between Season 2 and Season 3. Correct, yes. All right, and uh, so that being said, Matt, I appreciate your time. Uh, we're gonna always have... love to show up. We're going to have a uh, reasonable break between this episode uh, and the Yao Peta review, which we're going to review in a few minutes, and we'll get that <laughs> up later this week. Um, so all that being said, have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. Later. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training. <laughs>